Hi, welcome to another episode of What Are We Doing? A podcast from The Highlander. Mike Baker with The Highlander here, and I'm sitting down this morning with Liz Danielson, who has put her name in the ring for mayor in Algonquin Highlands in the upcoming municipal election. We're going to be talking this morning about some of Liz's uh, history in the community and also some of her experience while also touching on some hot button topics that uh, have been uh, issues in Halliburton County for, for, for many years and some uh, some newer issues that are just starting to bubbling up through the surface. So I'm going to get through a lot in the next 40 minutes. Hopefully uh, you're comfy there, Liz, and uh, yeah, we'll get going. I look absolutely forward to it. Yeah, perfect. Okay, so we'll start off with some uh, some some more personal stuff. So, uh, you know, you're no stranger, obviously, to politics uh, in Halliburton County. Why don't you give us a rundown of uh, yeah of your of your history uh, in the political arena, so to speak? Well, it's 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 interesting, Mike, because uh, my my political experience started in the Northwest Territories. Uh, my husband and I had gone up there together to uh, to work for a construction company and. And we became quite involved in in uh, in community activities and and issues uh, there in Norman Wells, and uh, you know just gradually, um, I was encouraged to run for council there, and uh, so I, I was on council. Actually, I worked for the municipality as their assistant town manager, development officer, planning clerk um, for twelve years, and. And then, you know, it just seemed to me that it might, I, I, I liked the idea of making a change and running for council. So I, I ran for council. I was successful in, in four different terms. Their, their terms are three years as opposed to four here. And uh, was on council as a councillor and, and deputy mayor uh, there for 12 years. Um, and, you know, I, it's interesting to see in communities that are so far apart and so different the issues are are much the same, you know. It's it's potholes and fire departments and ambulances and uh, and 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 dogs and dumps and ditches. You know, every municipality has its unique identity, but those basic, you know, things that you need to look after are, are much the same. Uh, so so when I returned to uh, Halliburton County, I uh, I ended up working uh, basically with things that are linked to municipal politics. I worked for the radio station, uh, first in Bancroft, doing some reporting on the Bancroft Council. Then I got an opportunity with the County Voice as, as a new newspaper in the county uh, to do the municipal beat and uh, and cover all five municipalities. And, and that was, uh, I mean, that just was, uh, I don't know, I mean, it just, that sort of thing just kind of sets me on fire. I, I just find it so interesting to look at the puzzles that, that, you know, local councils are trying to solve, the challenges. Um, and during my time, uh, you know, writing for the County Voice, I was encouraged by a lot of people to run for council. And, uh, you know, I had become intrigued by the, by the challenges that Algonquin Highlands was having with the... Uh, with the proposed expansion of their airport, um, I uh, and was asked to run for council here, and, and decided that I'd take the plunge. Uh, so I, I was successful, and and because of my previous experience, my peers did choose me to be their deputy mayor, and have continued to do so over uh, over the last twelve years. Um, and uh, of course, that gave me a seat on county council, which is a, you know a different level of uh, of responsibility 
I guess is the best word for it. And uh, and you know, I I really, it's got its challenges. And you know, there are those head knocking experiences that you have, but. You know, it's it. I just it's. I love it. You know, that's all there is to it. I like to be able to help to solve problems, to help mm -hmm. people when I can, mm -hmm. uh, to help people understand if they don't like something, and and I want to continue. Um, the the decision to run for mayor um, for me with with uh, Mayor Moffat, who's done a fabulous job for a long time. Um, we've worked very closely together, and this seems like kind of the perfect transition point for me it's 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 like um um what do you call it when you uh it, it's just the perfect next step for me to move in i've got the experience um and and yet i can bring a new voice a little bit different perspective you know so i, I can offer a bit of what everybody's looking for because there are always people who well we, we'd like to have somebody new we want somebody with a new perspective well i can bring that new perspective but it's backed by a lot of experience and knowledge about about this community, what they want, what they're concerned about, and, and the county overall. And so obviously the last two years on county council as well, you've served as, as warden. You know, how, how well do you think that's maybe prepared you for, uh, for a mayoral run? Well, in fact, it's been four years that, oh. I, that, I've been, uh, that I've been the warden. A part of that is in fact because of, of the pandemic. And, the, and the, you know, the idea that continuity is the best thing. Um, and, and it's a little, it's something I'm really quite proud of because it's a bit of a record that no one has ever had four consecutive years as, as the warden. And it has really and truly been a, a, a wonderful and rewarding experience to, to be able to represent the county at that level. Um, I, I think it has prepared me I, I, it's just insurmountably, for, uh, you know, for for the job of mayor. I mean, I've been on county council, and we're all equal members of county council. But still, you have a, a stronger voice. You know, there, there's there's always that idea that the mayor is at the head of council. They're the county, the voice for the municipality, uh, and uh, you know, so I, I I feel it overall has prepared me to particularly manage some of the issues that county council are dealing with because they're much different than at the local level. Uh, in addition, being, uh, being the warden at, uh, at the county level puts you on the warden's caucus for Eastern Ontario. And, and you know, that's representing 750,000 people. And Eastern Ontario, I mean, they have a lot of issues that are, I mean, they, it, it's kind of across the board. There's a lot of, of particularly rural Ontario, have a lot of challenges, but you know, I've, I've been able to, to talk to ministers, to negotiate with the province on any, you know, any number of issues like uh, housing and, and health care and long-term care and paramedic services and oh, broadband and cell service and trying to see that expand. I mean, that, that's, you know, that along with housing are really at the top of the list. But those experiences have, have really, I think, prepared me well to take this next step. And then, well, I think that segues nicely. I was going to ask, you know, what's, uh, you know, you, you mentioned that this experience on council is really giving you the skills you think that would make you, uh, you know, qualified to, to, to be able to run as mayor. Why don't you tell me a little bit about some of those skills that you do possess that you think would, um, yeah, would help you uh, in this new position? Well, you know, it's interesting. Uh, one of the things that, that I saw when I was initially writing for the paper was the divide. There was a divide here, um, and it, it uh, 
it's sort of like the cottagers versus the the longtime residents, and uh, you know, I mean, there there was. I found that a challenge because to me, everyone is a taxpayer. Everybody has come here and invested their money here, whether it's in a home or a cottage, um, and, and should have an equal voice. They, I mean, they've obviously invested in community here and, uh, and continue to do so through their taxation. So, so everybody needs to have an equal voice. Um, we're all contributing. And, and I think that you know, one of the things that I've seen is is a closing of that gap until the election, until now. Um, I think the pandemic has has created uh, anger and and a different approach that people have in in and how they look at the issues that are facing them. Um, and you know, people are willing to say and do things that they might not normally do. So. You know, I'm afraid that, that 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 divide might widen a little bit over over this particular election. Um, but you know, being on county council and looking after things that are more social issues than those that that are managed by the the lower tier municipalities give you a better perspective of where people stand on a lot of things. You know, this uh, the the issues that we looked at, like uh, the service delivery review. Um, has given us an opportunity to look at all aspects of operations, not just at the county level, but combined with the lower tiers. Um, I, you know, I've seen the uh, the CAOs and the directors of different departments starting to work together to try and streamline things across the county to help to make things make things in life easier for people, like when they. You know, each one of us have a, a different rules for, for building and planning and bylaw and permitting systems and fees. And that's confusing for people, particularly in areas where half of a lake is in one municipality and the other half is, is on another. Um, and, I, you know, I really enjoyed the work that we've, that we've tried to do to streamline things, to look at maybe reducing costs, to seeing how we can... Just make more uh, make life easier and more understandable for people. Um, you know, I, I guess you know I could talk ad nauseum about things. You know, the uh, well, I'm sure you'll ask me later about the shoreline preservation bylaw, and that process has been uh, interesting. Let's just say it's been interesting. But you know, we'll we'll talk about that later. We'll get to there, yeah. Bit of a one A one B question here. You know, what do you see as being the number one issue um, facing Algonquin Highlands, perhaps over the next four years? And uh, what would be your your number one priority as uh, as mayor if you are successful in this bid? You know, it, it's a tough one because there are a number of really you know serious and and uh, huge issues facing us. I've got to say, housing. Uh, you know, housing has been identified at almost all levels of government, uh, right at, from the top, as being uh, the number one priority, the thing that we've got to uh, to manage. And it, it hits so many levels of lifestyle here in our, in our economy. You know, it, it's, it's creating labor shortages. Um, everybody is having difficulties hiring people. Uh, we need housing at all levels. You know, the, it, right now it's hard to find a house at any cost. Um, and and th the price of housing is just astronomical right now. The price of building materials is is exorbitant. It's supply issues that are that are uh, uh, associated with that. Um, 
finding affordable housing for people and that by affordable I'm including a lot of people not necessarily of course there's also low income you know as opposed to affordable housing and it, it, it's hitting our economy in, in, a, in a very big way um, you know we've got challenges with with health issues and and housing is tied to that it, it's just tied to almost every aspect of our life here so I would say probably housing is at the top the service delivery work that the county's been doing is also really key and important. And, you know, I've, I've talked a certain amount about that. But for a long time now, there has been a feeling that, that uh, Halliburton County should amalgamate. And, and I personally uh, saw no evidence that that was the direction to go. I mean, you need to know that financially, that that's the, things to do, uh, the thing to do. Uh, and there are so many aspects to that. That, you know, it, it, it's just, it's easy to say, well, you all need to amalgamate and we need to get rid of all these high paid personalities that you've got working for us. It's much more complicated than that. Um, and so, uh, you know, the continued work on service delivery, if it doesn't in fact lead to amalgamation, and I'm not saying that that's what I support uh, necessarily, because I think um, uh, that there are different outcomes that we can see. I, I, I see us, one possibility is amalgamation. There's no question about that. And there are, you know, politicians in the county that feel very strongly that that's the direction that we can take. And I can see more uh, rationale behind it now as we go through this process. But I still, I, I'm concerned about uh, communities being able to keep their identities. That sense of local identity and history is so steeped in so many small communities here that I want us to be able to protect that, to move forward, streamline things, make services better, but protect that sort of thing. And I, I'm wondering if there isn't a midway point where we can't see all those things happen with services without necessarily taking that last step of amalgamation. I still see amalgamation angst, you know, from years ago that amalgamation took place in our municipalities, that it exists. It exists in Algonquin Highlands, it exists in Highlands East, it exists in Minden, and it probably exists in some, to some extent in Dysart. So, you know, we need to make our population uh, comfortable with the idea um, and, uh, you know, they, they've got to have a say in, in how this goes forward. Mm -hmm. So those two things, I think, I mean, of course, there, there are other huge issues like uh, short-term rentals and how that impacts housing how those two things link together. And, uh, and of course, you know, the shoreline uh, preservation bylaw and how we move forward with that is going to be a, a huge issue and probably continue to be extremely contentious. Yeah. So let's expand on, on, on housing first there a little bit. You know, like you say, this is an issue that has been, you know, longstanding. It's been uh, an issue for a long time. Many residents, you know, are, are sort of facing... A position now where they're being forced out of the community because rentals either aren't available or just totally unaffordable for them. Uh, what ideas or solutions do you think could be brought to the table at the municipal level to to try and address this and you know really tackle a problem that's that's that, that that's been there for a while now? You know, it breaks my heart to hear you know you say that it's forcing people to leave the community, and and there's some truth in that, and it's also making it impossible for people to join us. 
here to come and move to the community, you know, to fill jobs. I mean, we've got jobs for people and, uh, and they've got no place to live. So, you know, they're not taking them. It's going to be a challenge for municipalities because, you know, much of the work that, that will be done will be reliant on, you know, upper levels of government. And, and, you know, the province has put legislation in place in a goal to try and assist us. Uh, but in a way, uh, you know, I hesitate to say it, but, you know, they're also pointing the finger at the municipalities saying that we're not doing enough. And uh, I kind of take issue with that. Um, but we do rely on the province. Uh, I, I would like to say that the uh, the Eastern Ontario Wardens Caucus has, has got a plan for Eastern Ontario, or let's say they're developing a plan for Eastern Ontario that might not be uh, too much different than the Eastern Ontario Regional Network, where they're successful in expanding broadband and cell service. I think they like to work out something in, in, the, in the area of housing and see what we can't do with partnerships. And, and high-level partnerships, but we've got a long way to go with that. Um, you know, there, there are changes that can be made at the county level, you know, in the official plan. Um, and I know that the county does have, you know, some uh, very early irons in the fire and thoughts of things that we, we could do. But, uh, you know, I, I won't go into that because you're asking about the, the lower level. And uh, Algonquin Highlands has just finished uh, their you know, they're uh, reviewing and, and uh, replacing their official plan and the zoning bylaw. And that does open things up a little bit, allowing secondary units on properties. We're trying to keep that away from, from waterfront properties to some extent because we're still struggling with the whole short-term rental issue and most of them are on waterfront properties. But, uh, you know, there, there are cho uh, zoning changes that we can continue to look at. Uh, you know, we really need to, this is really hitting, uh, although we've recognized that it's coming and we've made some changes to our zoning bylaw, reduce the size of the minimum square footage size requirements, which makes it more affordable. But I think we need to do some, you know, outside the box thinking, some blue sky thinking about what we can do within legislation always, because we always do have that challenge, you know, that there are, there are candidates saying, like, Let, let's, uh, you know, let's do away with, uh, you know, some of the building requirements. That's just something that we cannot do. You know, we, we have to work within legislation. People have to build things according to the, you know, the, the building bylaws and, and, uh, and regulations that the province has in place. So blue sky thinking, you know, maybe we can look at, at new models of developing housing. I, I know that there's a another municipality in Eastern Ontario that's looking at, uh, well, I should step back and just say one of our challenges is in particularly Algonquin Highlands and Highlands East is that we don't have water and sewer systems. Mm -hmm. And that makes it challenging when we've got an idea about, well, there's a, you know, a piece of property that becomes available. For instance, the church in Carnarvon mm -hmm. uh, became available and they, they were encouraging us to buy it. It was a fairly substantial piece of property, part of which could have become a housing development for like places for people or a small, um, uh, a, a small, just, I, I'm not, I, I can't come up with the right word, but uh, a, uh, a, a small reasonable development that we could afford to do but it, it just wasn't something that the housing corporation was really supportive of. I mean, they said it could be done, but it's a lot more money and other opportunities were 
were things that they would prefer to look at. And that's also a challenge. There, we, we also rely on the city of Kawartha Lakes because they're our service delivery manager, um, that we have to work with them. And they have quite a bit more say than, than we do. Mm-hmm. I sometimes wonder if something that we shouldn't be considering um, um, at, the, at the county level is trying to establish our own housing corporation here in Halliburton County because I think that might loosen things up a little bit across the county and open up some opportunities for us. But, but let's say, as I, as I was talking about, one of the small communities in eastern Ontario have taken a piece of property. It's a, a rural community. They don't have water and sewer, so they, they've got a large parcel of land, and they're establishing a, a utilities corporation that will put in um, a, a system for water and sewer for, say, a, a planned number of houses. So you could put a lot more houses on a smaller piece of land than you could in, in, say, an urban area where you need the standard type of water and sewer system that you would have. So so that's something that could be... That's just one idea of many that we could come up with. Okay. But uh, you know, we've got a lot of work to do, and, and it's going to be a challenge. So you, you, know, you mentioned that you know, water and sewer really being an issue. When you look at you know, neighbors like Dysart, they, they were sort of successful in a partnership bill to bring that Whispering Pines development online. We know that they've got... Uh, a partnership in place with point in time, uh, not point in time, with places for people. Sorry, um, for the for a development on Wallings Road for affordable housing. What what's standing in the way of, of things like that happening in Algonquin Highlands? Is is it just that water sewer issue, or is there more things that so uh, that we need to overcome for for partnerships like that to really come to fruition? Water and sewer is a big thing. I mean that that that's a big thing, and it's a huge part of the cost of development. Um, you know, Dysart and Minden are ur- more urban centers. And when you have, you know, particularly housing developments that are for low-income families, for affordable housing, quite often you need to to be close to an urban center where there's shopping and, you know, you can get your supplies and, and things without necessarily having a, a vehicle. Mm-hmm. So that's why a lot of the emphasis, although Algonquin Highlands and Highlands East contribute to those developments through the, through the county's levy, um, and, and I'm sure that there are people from Algonquin Highlands and Highlands East who, who may be able to take advantage of those developments. But they do make more sense and are more affordable in, in a slightly more urban center. Um, <laughs> there are, you know, in the case of Wallings Way, there, there's some real challenges associated with that because there's a, a certain amount of not-in-my-backyard kind of attitude. And, there, you know, Wallings Way in particular has some some real um, maneuverability challenges, let's say transportation challenges there. There, there is a transportation study that's been underway uh, between the county and Dysart to, to look at, at, you know, how to resolve those issues. But, uh, you know, because there's going to be more traffic going through an area that has been private for some time, that's been a bit of a problem. So, I mean, there's problems with developments wherever you go, you know, not, not on our, our wetlands, not, uh, you know, not... Not in our backyard. But I shouldn't say that because an issue like n- not close to the wetlands is a lot different than not in our backyard. Absolutely. You know, that's, that's an environmental concern. Yeah. So shifting gears ever so slightly now, you know, for, for many years, I think maybe even decades, you could say, the Highlands region has been recognized as, as one of the poorest in Ontario, uh, you know, right up there with Manitoulin Island. 
poverty is rife in, in this community. I think latest stats that I saw, 21, 2021 report to council, pegged it at around 17% of our population living in poverty. What do you think can be done, you know, to buck this trend and, and turn this situation around? You know, that's, that is truly something that is, that is a challenge at the lower tier. Uh, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not something that can be managed at the lower tier. But, you know, the, uh, there have been um, poverty reduction studies. There's a poverty reduction group working, you know, that the county is, is, is part of. Um, the county has established a community safety and well-being committee that will uh, be looking at all aspects of of uh, of poverty and and uh, homelessness and and social issues, you know, that are across the county, and and that's that's a huge step for us. I mean, it is something that was that was required by the province for us to do, but I see it will help in in many aspects of 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 poverty. Um, and life of low-income families in the county. It, it, it is, I think it's, it's a shocking thing for people to, to realize that there is that level of poverty in a place like Halliburton, you know, where people come and they've, you know, there are, there are beautiful, extraordinarily priced cottages and, you know, second homes, even third homes for people that come here. And, and it's, it's a tourism mecca and destination. You know, it's, it's seen as a sort of eco-tourism in a way place. And, and people just don't realize that there is that level of, of poverty here. But we are taking steps to try and reduce it. There have been housing studies done. As I, as I say, poverty reduction groups that are working. The, the, uh, the uh, Community Safety and Wellbeing Committee is just getting off the ground now. So I see and really have uh, some, some solid hopes for, for some results uh, coming out of that work. Uh, but but really and truly at the local level, you know, I'm not sure. Uh, I, I can only be so grateful for the food banks and the heat banks and, the, you know, the help of, of volunteer groups and organizations. Our county is extraordinary for volunteerism and, and for, for those kinds of service groups helping, uh, you know, to support people that are in need here. And, and it's just my hope that we can... You know, forge partnerships, work together, do everything and anything that we can to try and make life better for everyone here. So you've been on county council now for uh, for, for for a while. I mean, have there, have there been sort of conversations, studies done at the county level to try and understand why we are in the situation we are in poverty? And has there been any maybe answers that have come about sort of pointing fingers that, you know, this is why we are in this situation. This is why we do have, you know, poverty at the rate that we do in our area. You know, there, there have been studies done, and I, I would say most of the work has actually been done by the city of Kawartha Lakes with respect to that. And, you know, they, they do consult with the county. We're, we are a partner of theirs. Um, so there has been a lot of work. But, you know, if you ask me what the, the base root cause of poverty in Halliburton County, I, I you know, I, I really couldn't say. I could just say that we're much more aware of it now and are taking, you know, steps to look at every aspect of, of poverty here and, and trying to seek solutions. Okay. Uh, with the increased costs of just living, of rentals, everything like that, there has seemingly been a big move from, from people to sort of move to more outlying areas in, in, in the county in, in, in recent years. 
with that has come the calls for 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 some sort of transit transportation obviously a big challenge with it with a county as, as large as as Halliburton County we've seen some 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 success with with pilots that have sprung up you know looking at the one with point in time looking at ones that have been developed with Fleming crew and, and, and search community services what is your your view on the future of transportation in Halliburton County do you think that it's sustainable or feasible for a more widespread system to sort of be incorporated. That was, I was just about to say something about transportation and I thought, oh, I bet he's going to ask me about transportation. Transportation has become, you know, it's been an issue for a long time. We, you know, we've had groups uh, approaching County Council about the need for transportation and, and the challenges that it does create for for low-income families, for families who are in poverty, because you know if they are living in outlying areas, how do they how do they how do they uh, fulfill the, the the terms of getting a job? How do they get to work? How do they get their supplies or their or their medical, you know, cover their medical needs? Um, you know, there's just so many things that the lack of transportation uh, has an impact on, and and we have looked. For some number of years, when I say we, I'm, I'm talking about county council at transportation. Um, we've had our tourism department looking at, at, at you know, reaching out and uh, and and we've we've put out calls for, excuse me, calls for service in in the area of transportation. But it it's just such a huge geographic area that it has created problems, and nothing that we've landed on so far has been. Uh, financially viable or workable because you know you can you can have a system but it's still you know i i have to chuckle because one you know one of the examples that mayor moffat has used at county council is an individual called mabel who doesn't really exist but you know mabel lives uh, you know on a rural road and and she's 70 years old and she has some mobility challenges how does mabel get to the bus you know, the bus isn't going to stop at her house. And a lot of the transportation models that we've looked at rely on a little bit more than what what we're able to offer. So, you know, it trans we, we've been putting money aside um, for transportation and a transportation system at the county. And I think we're getting closer. There are, you know, there are some ideas that are filtering in now that look like they might be some uh, viable possibilities but in the meantime as you say there there have been some uh some some trial runs on uh, on some opportunities with with places like uh, like search who do such wonderful work you know it's just extraordinary um you know i know that there are some programs in place that are trying to to help people who are trying to find work um to uh um to have some assistance with respect to transportation. One of the things that the county has done that I think will help is, is to, uh, to finally replace the, or, or reestablish, I guess I should say, the economic development director's position at the county. And, uh, you know, that's, and, and he's working on a, uh, you know, he's, he's guiding an economic development study. And and working with the with uh, the say the city of Cortha Lakes and Peterborough, and the workforce development board, to to help bring training to the county, um, so that you know that's at least a little bit easier access to help to help people. 
Um, and th that work is continuing. And I, and I hope that, that through that department, there will be more support for, for work on establishing a transportation system here. It's still a challenge because it's, it's just something that's uh, not yet a finance. We haven't seen something that's a really, truly financially viable solution. We're working on it. There you go. Shifting gears here, um, quite substantially, going to talk about healthcare. Um, pretty well documented the staffing shortages that have been experienced at the Minden and Halliburton hospitals, especially since the onset of the pandemic. Uh, you know, this has led to Triple HS administration saying that you know there could be a shutdown of ER departments. Um, you know, as and when are necessary. Uh, obviously, none have sort of come to pass uh, just yet, but uh, still the threat remains. Um, this begs the question, do you think Halliburton County can continue to support and accommodate two separate hospitals? Um, that, that truly and truly is a, a, a huge question. And, you know, I mean, we, I can't, it's a question I can't answer. I can say that, that you know, we have done as a county, uh, and obviously with all the municipalities contributing to that, um, to, to reduce that challenge to the greatest extent possible. I mean, we, we've had long time now for, for many years have, have been helping with professional recruitment and, and that started with doctors. Um, and, and we have evolved in that process to reduce some of the requirements to kind of open things up a little bit more. Uh, for other people to come to, you know, initially they were hiring, you know, uh, doctors who had just graduated. Um, and now we've opened it up to, you know, like pretty much any GP who wants to come here and is keen to come and offer services here is, is welcome. And, and we, we've got a return for service agreement. We've got a pretty substantial uh, um, offering in place. So there's 150, up to $150,000 assistance for relocating. Um, and, and we've had some successes, but, you know, it's been kind of shocking when I, I initially took on professional recruitment, uh, quite a few years ago in early days on county council and was fortunate in being able to have, um, the Hastings County, uh, CAO come and make a presentation to county council because they had a very successful professional recruitment program in place. And he came and, and uh, council agreed to, to, you know, to put this um, program in place um, to, uh, to, to offer assistance to doctors. Um, we're now, uh, you know, we, we've got a, a half-time professional recruiter in place who's doing extraordinary work. But it just seems like, it just seems like we, it's, uh, you know, it, it continues. We had so many doctors that were ready to retire. You know, when we kind of got started, and we're just really getting into that. And, you know, every time that we find a new doctor, we have another doctor retire or, you know, they move along for one reason or another. Um, you know, we, we have, of course, we're looking for family practice as opposed to specialists. And now we're looking for nurses. We've also been looking very much at, at housing and how the housing initiatives that we do develop at the county level can assist in that regard. We're, you know, we're, we're renting a unit right now, uh, have been looking at purchasing a unit um, that could be available for, 
for doctors that are coming in to offer, you know, uh, short-term services or even longer-term services to help while they, uh, you know, have a sufficient time to find a home that suits them, which is, of course, another back to housing. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we, we're doing as much as we can to help with that. And, and, uh, and we've also augmented, uh, with the province's help, you know, we, we've been able to augment and offer some assistance through our community paramedic services, which does reduce, you know, the impact on the, on the local hospitals to a great extent. But, you know, my concern, uh, one of my concerns is that, uh, that over time I've seen the province gradually and insidiously uh, drop more and more responsibility onto the municipalities. It's the province's role to look after healthcare. And I don't think they're doing a very good job of it. And I don't think they've done a good job for a long time. But, you know, we're, we're doing what we can to, to try and assist. Uh, we, we have a close working relationship with, uh, with Triple HS and, and are hoping to strengthen that relationship as time goes by. Uh, we've, we've, we've met with them numerous times and, uh, um, I, I, you know, try and do whatever we can to ease their burden. Uh, while while not assuming too much additional cost, you know, at, at our level, but I mean that that's going to continue, and we'll just keep doing whatever we can. So one thing that we've started to see a lot more of, uh, you know, as as things are sort of opening up now from the pandemic, is you know taking a walk when there's any sort of business operating, help wanted signs and windows. You know, our labor there's a labor shortage, I would say, I think, in in Halliburton County in Algonquin Highlands. Uh, how do we go about, do you think, you know, restocking that labor pool and making our community an attractive proposition for, uh, you know, for workers, for young families to, to move here? I think we are an attractive proposition. You know, uh, you know uh, that's one of the things that kind of ties in with, with the fact that we've hired an economic development director who's, you know, he's working very closely with the Workforce Development Board. They were part of a forum that we had at Sir Sam's some time ago that uh, they were terrific in offering you know different tools uh to local businesses to help with 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 hiring to you know to um encouraging people to come here um to look at some of the steps that they had to take to make their their offerings more attractive um they as i said they're working with uh, the city of kawartha lakes and with peterborough to uh, to bring training to the county and to to augment training that's available, he's working very closely with the, with the Chamber of Commerce, the Workforce Development Board, the uh, the home builders, the, you know, all of the municipalities to see you know what we can do to help in that regard. Um, you know, one of the things that uh, that has been found by I think it was the Workforce Development Board that did a study that in fact showed that. There were people here. They weren't just there was there wasn't the uptake that you would anticipate. Mm-hmm. Um, that that people just aren't taking up the the jobs are available. There are some people here who could take them, but for some reason or other, there's an anomaly there where they're they're not taking the jobs. Um, I mean, there, there's a lot of other work to be done, but that is one factor that I find that it's it's kind of interesting. Um, and, and I don't know if that's a result of the pandemic, a change in, you know, I think the pandemic has made people really look at their lives. 
and how they're going to lead them and, and, and what they want to do going forward may not be the same as what they've done so far. But in the meantime, the shortage um, is, is definitely causing a challenge for our local businesses. Mm. Like you say, there's, there's help wanted signs everywhere. And it makes it, you know, on the short term, particularly with, with so many of our businesses being more seasonal in nature, uh, it, it really creates a problem for them. And so many of them are having to, well, I mean, I just hate to see businesses close or be closed in, 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 in at more times than they might normally be. Um, and trying to plan on the long term is really a challenge for, you know, I mean, everybody likes to have a long term plan about how they're going to run their business. And this really, you know, we're, we're, it's a, a challenge to them all. And, and, and I'm, you know, we're, we're taking whatever steps we can. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, that, that's at the county level, uh, which of course, you know, the mayors and deputy mayors will be involved in. Mm -hmm. And hopefully, you know, we'll, we'll have more and more success in, in that regard. I'm really looking forward to the, the, the results of the study that's being done. Uh, for economic development for Halliburton and uh, you know keep moving forward all right so now we touched on we touched on amalgamation a little bit before um, sort of change 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 direction a little bit you know you brought up the the, the service delivery review uh, you know there's been definitely ways that municipalities have sort of started to work together a little better uh, over the past year thinking just back in my mind I'm thinking of like the the waste days that are that are held sort of within municipalities and people can you know from Algonquin Highlands can go and drop off and die sort of things like that um, what are there any avenues or sort of other areas that you think municipalities could work closer together to um, you know come up with solution not not only come up with solutions for things but uh, you know reduce costs in some areas well, that's the bottom line of the service delivery review. And it's not just reduced costs. It's streamlining services, making service, accessing services and, and making them much easier for people to work with. Because the permitting service, you know, the per, not service, the permitting process that is in place. And I mean, a lot of it is coming down from the province once again. Um, it's daunting for people, you know, for the little guy who just wants to, uh, you know, he's got a cottage and it's close to the waterfront and he wants to make a little addition or you know uh, to, to rebuild and it's just a horrendous process to go through and it's a costly process i think by streamlining that process and and, and creating a one-stop shop and 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 i'm like starting right at the top with with building and planning and and not so much bylaw but bylaw enforcement as well kind of being a one-stop shop and, and and i think that that will make life a lot easier um, and hopefully it will reduce costs to, to have similar uh, fee structures across the county. Um, but you know, there are, I think that the service delivery review has looked at every aspect of our operations, from fire services, waste management, to legal reviews, purchasing, uh, uh, planning and, and building and bylaw and uh, um, you know, we're, we're even looking at how, how can we streamline um, um, services, no, it's not services, it's, um, holy shit. Here's, here's where I'm saying, are you, you going to be able to edit? Um, uh, benefits for, for employees 
are different across each of the four municipalities. There's, there's a group that is looking at benefits and seeing if we can't streamline that and go through the same um, supplier is not the same agents uh, to do that. I mean, one of the challenges is also the fact that Algonquin Highlands, thankfully, has no union and the other three municipalities and, and the county are unionized, mm. which, you know, is, is a little bit of a bump in that process. But, you know, I think that that can be overcome. Mm. Um, I don't know that, that there's anything that they really missed. One of the gaps that I, I see and I, I'm disappointed in is that one of the things that they were making recommendations to us about were, were communications. Mm. And we had at the county agreed that yeah, you know, I mean, we need to, we need to work more closely together with our communications. When the when the the proverbial shit's hitting the fan, you know, we need to be able to put out the same message, particularly during you know states of emergency. Mm -hmm. um, that's right. Everybody agreed, and then they all went off and went in a different direction. And and you know, there's been no uh, no great success in that, with the exception of Algonquin Highlands. Because we, you know, we made the move to hire a, a communications coordinator, um, and that has, you know, just opened things up so much for us in Algonquin Highlands. And communications, and broadening our communications, are something that I, I really want to see happening right here in Algonquin Highlands, if not at the, for sure at the county level, but if not, you know, here that we've, you know, we've we bought a program, uh, Bang the Table, that allows people to have input into any number of topics um, that, that really helps in broadening, uh, broadening that voice of the people, yeah. making us more transparent. Uh, you know, uh, I think that there's been some discussion about, uh, you know, there needs to be um, more consensus um, government needed here and to me we have a pretty pretty solid consensus government but it, it gives the people more of a voice and you know to me that whole communication thing is is hugely important and I would like to see that continue how well we do at the county I mean the county is doing a good job with their the communicating their own business I'd like to see us work closer together in that regard but you know I think we're, we are truly looking at all aspects of mm -hmm. Of, of streamlining and and uh, working together and ultimately with the goal of reducing costs i'm just thinking how much a communications person would have helped as we get into the next topic of shoreline preservation bylaw having someone who might have been able to uh pull the public together and uh and, and get people started in one area might have been uh, might have been helpful in that regard i'm not sure that we'd ever pull everyone together <laughs> So, you know, shoreline preservation, you know, you, you voted in favor of it recently to, uh, to, to sort of a, a adopt this thing. It's been a big source of controversy for, for several years. You know, people are very passionate on both sides of the issue. Uh, you know, how do you feel about the, 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 the document that, that, that was passed, um, you know, recently? You know, well, I'll first talk about communications. And I think one of the things that contributed to... Poor communications, miscommunications, or misinformation was that, was that uh, we have gone through a number of iterations of that bylaw, and and because of the change, and some people are looking at at, at the first draft. Um, am I a hundred percent happy with the final draft that we came out with? No, uh, I I think that there is still work that can be done, and 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 I, uh, it's obviously nothing's perfect. 
Bylaws are, are most often living documents and sometimes you have to put them in place to see how they're going to work. Uh, Mike, we heard hundreds of voices, hundreds and hundreds of emails uh, with, with differing opinions. And I've got to say, I, I truly believe that the bulk of them were positive. They wanted, they wanted us to do something. The people care about lake health here and they wanted us to take action. We've been looking at clear cutting of properties and hardscaping and, and uh, you know, algae blooms and um, invasive species coming in and, uh, you know, reduction in the fish populations. The work that the lake stewards of all the lake associations have been doing for years has been, you know, has, has showed us clearly that we need to do something. And, and we, we started with the tree cutting bylaw and it, it just wasn't, it was, it really, the discussion started at the shoreline preservation. We landed at tree cutting, which helped part of, part of the concern, but it wasn't enough. So we improved the tree cutting bylaw. But that, you know, I mean, it really wasn't enough. And, and it, the lake associations on, on mass came to county council and said, like, you know, you've got to do something. You, I mean, they, they spoke to us about septic systems, but there was so much more. Um, and I know a lot of people wanted us to fold septic inspections into the shoreline bylaw, but we're already doing septic inspections as a separate entity. And I don't know about the other, I mean, all four municipalities are doing septic inspections, but I think that they've had different levels of success. And I would say that Algonquin Highlands has had a fair bit of success. And I, I, I believe it is our plan to continue with that program. It, it's something that I will advocate for very strongly. The bylaw, um, I, I just, I, I believe it needs to be tested. I truly believe that something needed to be done. Um, you know, we, we started the work with staff and it became far more, uh, it just became such a huge project and, and, and blew up kind of in, in the response that we got from every aspect of, of the bylaw that we, we decided, okay, we need to go out and, and get an independent look, have an independent look at this, you know, look at other municipalities, see what they've done, what their levels of success have been uh, or, or lack thereof. Uh, what the pitfalls were, you know, you know, what we needed to consider in a bylaw, what the science was behind the bylaw. And, uh, you know, there, there are a group of people who are, are against it that, you know, it's uh, some people are like flat out government, stay off our land, leave us alone, don't tell us what to do. Too much control, not enough, uh, you know, bylaw enforcement already with the laws that you've got. And that's a valid point. Bylaw enforcement is something that we've all municipalities have seen needs to be beefed up um, and you know we're all moving to hiring more bylaw uh, uh, officials and you know the, the bylaw is, is in place sadly uh, for the bad actors and and you know that ends up hitting everybody mm -hmm. and it's it's a shame but there's some real devastation and, and some real you know uh, inappropriate action being taken on our lakes that we've got to do something about I believe where we landed, we've, we've got a bylaw that, for the most part, I think our, our, our builders uh, believe they can work with, that for the most part, people will never need a permit. What's there is protected. If you want to replace it, it, you can do it. You know, it's just new 
substantial projects that, that need to be to come under review and I, I don't think that that's unreasonable. Uh, I have only been one voice on county council and I have been accused of, of uh, bullying people. There's been some, uh, you know, I, I've got to say I'm, I'm truly disappointed in um, the reaction of some people and how they saw the, the, the best approach to fighting the bylaw. And it's not been very nice. You know, for the first time in my life, I've been threatened. Uh, and other members of council have been threatened, not physically. But, uh, you know, we're, we're going to dig into your background and see what we can find out about you. We're going to, you know, we're going to cause problems for you and your family. We're, we're not going to vote for you. If you don't vote the way I want, well, I mean, that's kind of the way of it anyway. But, uh, but to be threatened in that way with that attitude and approach has been truly disheartening and, and hard to struggle through. We've all had to stand strong. Um, and, uh, you know, I know that the uh, continuing voices are the, the voices in opposition of the bylaw. The people who are in support of it have let us know that they're in support of it. We're moving ahead with it. And, and so they're not, I mean, they're like the quiet majority that are perfectly content with the fact that we've, you know, that we've got something in place that's going to start to help the problem that we're trying to deal with. And, and uh, it's those that are unhappy. That's the way of life. Yeah. Right. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not sure what else I can say other than that, that it is my hope that we continue with, definitely we'll continue with, with septic inspections, that we will look at, at lake health as a, as an umbrella issue at the county that will look maybe at more water testing and sampling. We may consider a, a watershed council. Um, you know, we will look at education programs and trying to help in that regard, even though there's an awful lot of education out there already. And I'm, I'm not sure that some people want to be educated if they won't look at the information that's there now. Yeah. Uh, you know, we'll just try our best to move forward and keep our lakes healthy and and continue to, you know, to have uh, the lifestyle that we enjoy on our lakes. And so next up on the county's radar, or maybe not even next up, and there's something that already is sort of being tackled somewhat, uh, is short-term rentals. Uh, you know, do you think they have a place in Halliburton County? And if so, should they be regulated? And how would we go about regulating Yes them? and yes. They sure they have a place. I mean, you know, we're... we're our economy is, is so much uh, of a tourism economy that, that that's part of it. And, you know, I'm, I'm sad to see some of the old lodges, you know, uh, going out of business or, or, or having a, a really difficult time because they're now having to compete with short-term rentals. But short-term rentals in this day and age definitely have a place and augment our economy, yeah. Um, but I do believe that they need to be regulated because we have, over the last few years, heard some pretty horrible stories uh, about the impact that short-term rentals have had on on their neighbors. Mm -hmm. There's no consideration. Now, don't get me wrong. Many of them are well-run, a solid establishments uh, that, that there are no issues with. But I often, I often ask myself, if it's fair, if you've got two properties side-by-side, and they're paying the same taxes mm -hmm. for those properties. One's making an awful lot of money and the next door neighbor isn't. And yet they're paying the same level of taxes. They get the same services, nothing more, nothing less. Is that fair? 
I, I don't know, uh, but but you know, I, I have I've seen some evidence that that zoning changes is not necessarily the direction to take, but some form of regulation, I believe, is absolutely necessary. We you know we have to protect our existing residents, while ensuring that we're not uh, diminishing the short term rental. Uh, the short-term rental business and, and what it does offer to our economy. It, it brings people here. It boosts our economy. They come, they visit, they shop, they return. You know, they they go to all of our, uh, you know, recreational sites and uh, and and we want that to continue. Um, how we how we go about it, you know, and there's go, there will likely be, uh, I'm not seeing so far an awful lot of opposition, quite truthfully. Part of me thought that that the short-term rental issue coming on the heels of the shoreline preservation bylaw might be a bit more than we could, you know, it's like trying to, I, I love elephants, but you know, it's it's like, how do you eat an elephant? Um, and that it would be as contentious. And I we haven't seen that yet, um, although there was a meeting in Highlands East a number of years ago. Uh, and there's probably I don't know. Let's say there was a hundred people there, and it was split right down the middle mm -hmm. about people who were in support and those who were, who were against. And mm -hmm. so there may be uh, you know more voices that to hear before this is put to bed. And and it's this isn't something that I think that we'll be able to complete in this term of council. I, I just don't think that it's it's viable. But but you know we shall see. Uh, you know, there we'll, we'll see. I do think that some regulation is required, but but you know, something that is viable um, and and reasonable, while protecting you know the the lifestyles of of their neighbors. Okay. <clears throat> and then um, I think this might be a final question, but uh, with regards to Stanhope Airport, you know, there's been um, you know plans in place for that airport, you know, years and years ago that fell by the wayside, you know. We are where we are today. Where do you see the future of that facility? Um, you know, long, short, both short and long term, I guess. Well, you know, there are differing visions for the airport. Uh, you know, it, it is an opportunity. Algonquin Highlands is, 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 I think, the most unique municipality in the county. Because we don't really have, a, a, you know, a downtown core. Mm -hmm. We have half of Dorset. You know, and and uh, you know, there's there's no downtown in in uh, in the southern part of the municipality, really. Um, I, I I do see that the airport is is uh, an asset and a huge asset that we have that that we can take advantage of in some way. Um, you know, there there as I said, there definitely mixed feelings about it right now. It would be my goal to bring it into the black. It, uh, you know, it, it costs us a lot more to run the, uh, the airport in prior years than it does now. We've reduced the cost significantly. Um, and, and I just want to bring that up over the line so that it's, it's in the black, mm -hmm. that it's not costing money. People forget that municipalities have facilities like recreation centers. And I don't want to go down the recreation center road right now for, for a number of reasons, but we have facilities like shops and and community centers and uh, you know j all sorts of recreational facilities they cost us money they don't make money 
And, and so does the airport. The airport offers a service like all of our other recreational facilities, um, you know, on a, on a, a higher level. But, you know, it, it, the fact that it doesn't make any money, I think we really need to, to uh, put, put some emphasis on looking at ways to do, to Im improve its viability, to improve the type of traffic that we get there now, to see what we can do to uh, expand it in a, in a slow and, and, and a way that is sensitive to the community. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I don't ever envision huge jets flying in here. But, you know, we, we were able to encourage MNRF uh, to, to build there. And, and that has helped a, an, an awful lot. And I, I think that as we go forward, that will probably, uh, I suspect, increase the demands at the airport. Um, the pandemic has also hurt the airport because, I mean, the, the, the traffic reduced to, uh, to almost nothing for a period of time. You know, we haven't been able to hold events there. Um, and, and uh, you know, even even from a cultural perspective, the, the events that we used to hold at the airport were fabulous. You know, people threw, flew in from all over, from from some of the most surprising places. And you know, we did fundraisers there, and had had the cook shack running, and and car shows there. You know, there, there's all kinds of opportunities that we can continue with there. For me, it's just let's get it in the black. We we do have uh, we asked this year to have a another study done on on the ways that we might be able to go about that, um, and unfortunately because of staff shortages and and challenges you know from the pandemic, uh, we weren't able to continue that. So that's you know will be something that I would very much like to see. I see other candidates all you know sort of saying similar things you know like the we're losing money there. Let's do something. Um, so, you know, I'm hoping that the new council will agree that we need to move forward with uh, with doing that study and, and see what opportunities that we've got there. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm an aviation flan, fan, but but not to the point where it, it just it infuriates everybody in the area and, and is something that's not viable. So, you know, let's let's find a, a, a middle point direction that we can take that's that's everybody can live with. Okay. You mentioned the word vision sort of flagged the, flagged something I didn't ask was, uh, you know, what, what what would be your overarching vision for Algonquin Highlands as a community, as a municipality, and, you know, what it could and, and perhaps should be? Yeah, um, you know, I mean, I could list a number of things that I would like to do, you know, goals and objectives that I've got. But, but overall, I mean, Algonquin Highlands is a beautiful community. It's a lovely place to live. It's a well-run municipality. In many ways, we are exceeding other municipalities in, 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 a, in a lot of areas. I'm really proud of that. I just want to continue to be a, a fair and responsive mayor who, who does respond to the needs of the community um, to keep improving the community in, in, in ways that, uh, that is acceptable to, you know, the majority, um, to keep tax levies down, you know, to, uh, while continuing to, to maintain our assets and, and meet the, the growing needs of the community because we're growing fast and furiously and, and in a way that is, is a challenge to meet the needs of that growing community. So, you know, we need to find a, a good balance be fair, be responsive, be open, transparent, improve our communications to, uh, to uh, 
to improve our, our partnerships with groups like the Lake Associations and, uh, and the Chamber of Commerce and, you know, any and all organizations. Mm -hmm. I'd like to have a stronger committee structure, which would allow more people to be involved in our decision-making process. Unfortunately, the pandemic has kind of, uh, you know, it, it sort of blew committee structures, yeah. you know, with their ability to, some of them to be able to meet via Zoom or not. And definitely with no ability to meet for quite some time we need to re-establish our, our committees and and strengthen them you know maybe give them a little more autonomy um and and just just move forward while keeping this uh treasure the way it is to the greatest extent possible okay should you be successful uh you know following the october 24th uh vote um First thing that's probably going to come across council is going to be the 2023 budget. Um, you know, that process always usually kicks off end of year and talks sometimes continue into the new year. What would be your your goals or your priorities um, heading into budget deliber deliberations? Uh, you know what? Algonquin Highlands looks at their budget with a fine-tooth comb. We look at everything from, you know, a million-dollar road improvement uh, to uh, uh, purchasing a new fire truck for half a million dollars or more these days, probably, uh, to a park bench. And I mean, we truly look at it all and 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 look at our priorities, tr match them up with our goals and objectives. One of the things that we do before we get into any budget deliberations is is meet and talk about our goals and objectives for the for the upcoming year. Mm -hmm. And then look at our budget kind of based on, you know, what those goals and objectives are. Of course, we have asset management plan plans in place uh, for, for our roads and all our major assets. A separate plan for docks and landings. Um, so just continue that process of going through our budget with a fine-tooth comb, with an eye of keeping the, the, any increases in the levy as, as low as we possibly can while you know achieving those projects that we need to move forward with continue to offer services try to the you know the best of our ability not to reduce or remove services you know because that that is something that i really i'm really challenged with mm -hmm. um just do the best we can to offer continued service at uh, at the best price we can do it all righty okay Final thoughts, anything that we haven't uh, touched on that you want to put out there to the public, to the community? Um, kind of back to the, the, the idea of the cottagers versus, you know, permanent residents. I, you know, I, I just, I want people to know that, that I have never looked at, at Halliburton County or Algonquin Highlands in those terms. To me, everybody is a taxpayer. Everybody is invested in this community in one way or another. And they all need to have a voice. And I've never differentiated in my decision-making between groups in any way, shape, or form. And I will continue to try my best to look at everyone equally and, and to, uh, to use my decision-making process uh, with that in mind, at, at top of mind. Um, I, I love this community and I want to do what's best for it. And, you know, I will continue to do so if I'm given that chance. Great. Okay, well, thank you very much for your time uh, today, Liz. Really appreciate it. And uh, thank you, everybody, for listening.
What Are We Doing is a podcast produced by Justin Van Leishout in partnership with The Highlander. Reporters working on this project include me, Sam Gillett, our editor, Lisa Gervais, and Mike Baker. Be sure to follow along as we cover candidates in your riding, as well as everyone running for election across Halliburton County. Music in this episode is from Kashaga, and our cover art is from Jason Yates, who can be found on Instagram at jy.inc.